Hello, everyone. Welcome to Be a Better Leader podcast. This is season five. Uh, This season, we're exploring how the four disciplines of execution are helping organizations across the globe execute on their top priorities. Um, My name is Scott Thiel. I'm the national practice leader for our business outcomes practice in the U.S. and Canada. I'm being joined by Anne-Louise McLean, who's the practice leader in Australia. Uh, Good morning, actually, Anne-Louise. So so wonderful of you to join us. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Scott. And Harvey is a practice leader here in the United States. Harvey, uh, thank you so much for coming on with us today. My pleasure. Good afternoon. Hey, our topic today um, is the urgency trap. So we're looking at how strategic focus versus being reactive to things as they come into us can consume our time, energy, and keep us from executing. So we'll jump in uh, and I'll ask each of you the question. Harvey, let me start with you. Um, Firstly, for those of our guests who are not familiar, would you mind uh, quickly explaining the whirlwind? What is the whirlwind and how is it at play? Sure. You know, what I love about the term that we've chosen to use, the whirlwind, is I hear it pronounced so many different ways. But I, I think of it often as, as a force. I, I found myself describing it this way. It's the thing that grabs you in the parking lot, brings you into the building, and spins you about throughout the day. And when the day is done, it leaves you back in the parking lot, and you ask yourself, what did I actually do today? That, that's really what I think the whirlwind is. Wow, that's great, and we've all felt that, so I, I can certainly relate. Um, I'd like to ask Anne Louise, so when you think about the whirlwind, what makes it the biggest barrier for most leaders? Yeah, thank you. Um, oh, absolutely, actually, in it's probably the biggest topic of everything we talk about at the moment as far as a barrier to, be, uh, to achieve execution, that day-to-day people are feeling like, you know, their intent is they want to pay attention to things that are important for the business, development of their people, execution of their priorities, but they find themselves, just like Harvey mentions, that, you know, you get sucked in from the parking lot and all of a sudden it's your back-to-back meetings, you've got, you're trying to recruit, you've got staff shortages, everything is pressing upon you that it's just so people are feeling like there's just no space to, to breathe, to get attention to those most important things. We've certainly all seen that for leaders. We start the day with great intentions and, and then we find ourselves, as Harvey said, back in that parking lot. So let me ask this question, Harvey, of you first. Uh, do you see this issue with the leaders themselves or more the teams they lead? I, you know, my answer to this question is always the consultant answer. First of all, it's both. And, and, and it, it starts like everything else. It starts with leadership. And the, and the challenge for leadership is confronting the reality that the whirlwind is real. Because it's so important, right? It, it's, all, it's all this important stuff, the metrics, the things that, that you really care about. It's real. But in confronting the reality that it's real, you have to also confront the fact that its existence can knock you off your goals. And then for the teams, you know, individual contributors and others in the organization, The challenge is the whirlwind is a bit of a thing to hide behind. The reason I can't do this is, and then you've heard, Scott, in your career, every answer for why that can't happen, right? So it's it's the leaders confronting the reality that it is there and it is impeding their progress. And it's making sure that the teams are not using the whirlwind as the excuse for not executing. Great, great. Thanks so much, Harvey. And Louise, what do you think about people saying, you know, the whirlwind is undesirable or we don't want to get stuck or do the whirlwind? Oftentimes, 
people approach us and ask, is the whirlwind a good thing or a bad thing? How do you handle that question? Yeah, good question. So, um, and actually, first of all, it's when you start to talk about the terminology of the whirlwind, people really, or the language of the whirlwind, people just have this realization of, ah, yes, that's exactly what it's like. But then thinking about it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a reality of day to day. I think the, the watch out though that I hear a lot of people talking about is creating a bit of an urgency culture that everything ends up being, well, I had one organization recently said, everything is either urgent or a high priority. And so they get caught up in just this urgency culture and that they feel overwhelmed by thinking that, well, this is the whirlwind. But it's actually, when we clarify and we really look at what really sits in the whirlwind, those day-to-day -day things that we need to do to move the organization forward versus what are, what's really important, where we want to apply the lens of four disciplines. I think that's when people start to realize, okay, the whirlwind is not necessarily a bad thing. It's part of the day-to-day. -day. The watch out is probably how we create an urgency culture sometimes. And how do we step out of that to give attention to those things that are most important? You know, and Louise, as you were saying that, it just strikes me that regardless of where you are in the world, this same story plays out. And you, you're in a whole different part of the planet than we are. Um, is there any difference in how the whirlwind is perceived? Um, I hate to be cliche, but down under? <laughs> I, I don't think so at all. You know, I was working with uh, leaders just yesterday and this was the number one topic that we were grappling with. Is And, you know, when I think about it, I think about their story. So, for example, you've got a, a leader that just a, a couple of weeks ago, they had this great strategic planning session. They're getting ready for 2023 and they've got people together that they probably haven't seen in a, even a couple of years. There's a lot of energy. They've got this strategy. They've now gone back to the desk and all of a sudden they're overwhelmed by just the day to day. They've got back to back meetings. They're short staffed at the moment. We've got a lot of people down under experiencing difficulties in, in staff shortages or rapid growth. And so they're just getting consumed by the day to day. And I find this breath of fresh air when people realize, ah, oh, there's a process, there's something that we can do to help create this space that we can still attend to those things that we really need to, to pay attention to, to ensure that we do execute on our strategy. Or that two-day meeting that we just had a couple of weeks ago, it's just going to be for nothing. Yeah, so true. Um, and it is, I think, everywhere that we, we go, we see the same thing. So Harvey, you mentioned, I loved what you said, people sometimes hide behind the whirlwind as an excuse. So how do you respond to somebody who says the whirlwind is 100% and I simply have no time for anything at all? I love, I love getting that comment because here's my response and it, I use it all the time. I say, totally agree with you. It is 100%. So let's just agree now that here we are at the end of the year and you had a strategic imperative that you had to achieve. When you talk to your boss, and you say to them, I spent 100% of my time in the whirlwind, does that give you a pass? If the answer to that is yes, then we really, you're good. But if the answer is quite conceivably no, you're gonna have to figure out how will you find that piece of time that'll allow you to move the goals forward. So it's just really a simple choice, right? And, and your ability to use that 
as a way to not deliver the results. Very good, Harvey. I really appreciate that. And, and Louise, I actually think that bears another look. So how do you respond when people use that whirlwind as an excuse saying it's 100% of my time, uh, I'm just too busy? Yeah, actually, this is a, a quite a common response. And this is where we sort of, I find it useful then to really step back and, and really look at particularly where we're sort of saying, well, is everything really urgent? Is, you know, let's actually, and you know, it's, it can feel a little bit energizing, a little bit addictive when we feel like, you know, everything is urgent or an absolute high priority and really just start to tease out what are the choices that we're making and are we really clear about what our priorities are and are we making time for that? And, uh, and are we taking ownership and accountability for that? And, but at the same time, not wanting to trivialise, you know, if people are feeling quite overwhelmed by workload or, or a sense of urgency around thing. But I find people really appreciate being able to sort of step back and really question what is truly our most important things and how do we create space for that? That's fantastic. And the last thing you said, Anne Louise, was create space. One of the things that we talk about is the ratio of the whirlwind to the four disciplines, like with the wildly important goals that we're putting time towards. Uh, how do you explain that ratio of time? And have you seen it help? So I'll ask Harvey first, sorry. Have you seen it help kind of depressurize when you give people permission to acknowledge that the whirlwind is going to take a significant portion of their time? I think it does. Um, and, and part of the way you help people with that, it, it goes back to a negotiating technique that I learned from, uh, from Chris Voss, who, who was the FBI negotiator. And he said, you know, sometimes you have to ask the question, well, have you given up on achieving your results? I mean, because, because when you ask that question, it sort of reframes the mind, doesn't it? A little bit of, well, no, I haven't. Well, then, if you haven't given up on that, how will we find the space to get it done? So it, so it sort of brings people to a place of, you know, you're right, and I haven't given up on it, so how do I find the space to do it? That's great. Thanks. And I loved you bringing that other example in. Um, and Louise, so let's start with you. Uh, have you struggled with balancing the whirlwind? And if so, um, I, and I feel like that's a trick question. Of course you have. But um, <laughs> what works for you? Like, how do you get out ahead of the whirlwind and that urgency trap that we see people falling into? Yeah, and to be honest, uh, it's a daily challenge, particularly when there's a lot on your place. plate. For me, um, I really connect well with Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he actually says uh, within that book that if there is one thing to really improve and positively impact your effectiveness, it's the practice of weekly planning. And just like we do within four disciplines and applying that in the way I think about my time, it's thinking about at the beginning of every week, what is it that is most important and how do I force that into my calendar first? And actually even the process of every day sort of reflecting, have I got the balance right? Am I actually attending to the most important things day to day in a way that I can sustain effectiveness over the longer term? Because if I, I find as soon as I don't do that, if I don't have that discipline, that I just get caught up. I'll just be, the calendar will be full and I will feel like I'm constantly reactive to the day-to-day -day things that are coming in. 
Yeah, I, I think the fact that the whirlwind can and will fill whatever container you pour it in if you don't exert your will upon it. So, Harvey, what about you? What, any particular techniques that you would share with our listeners to help them deal with this urgency that surrounds us at all times? Sure. You know, I, and I'll, I'll sort of give a refinement to what Anne Louise said, also as a practitioner of, of, of Seven Habits thinking, um, but I go a little closer in. A weekly plan is my map for the week. You ever follow a map and find you're on the wrong street? <laughs> so, so my daily interaction is, but where am I now? Right? I mean, I know today's Thursday. So, so as we record this, it's Thursday afternoon. Where am I now? And where was I hoping to be by Friday? And I, I course correct a little bit in the daily space. Because while we live thinking about the week, we act in the day. So I start the day with that sort of course correction. Where am I now and how's that going to impact where I really want to be by tomorrow? Well, that's really helpful. And I can't believe how fast uh, time goes by when I'm talking with two people that I enjoy as much as you both. So um, and to wrap this up, first of all, Anne-Louise, uh, thank you for joining us. And for you, it's Friday morning. So if you want to find out, Harvey, how Friday goes, you can call <laughs> Anne-Louise. <laughs> Harvey, thank you for joining. It's uh, always been a pleasure. Uh, just for our listeners, as, as we listen to uh, Harvey and Ann Louise, a couple of things that I would encourage you to think about. First of all, the whirlwind is based on urgency, but it's not a bad thing. So acknowledging that people are inherently busy gives you permission to start talking about important priorities. And I think you have to acknowledge that it's always going to take at least 80% of your time, energy, and effort. So give it permission to do that. And then finally, I think uh, both both of you have said something to the attune that you have to carve out the time. And Louise, you talked about the, the seven-day cycle. And Harvey, you talked about even a refinement on a daily basis. Uh, I hope that gives you all something that you can take away. And uh, we enjoyed having you today and look forward to having you on our next uh, Be a Better Leader podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.